Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Nintendo!
Welcome to NVC for the week of August 22nd. Uh, my, I am your host, Jose Otero, and I'm here with a cadre of knowledgeable Nintendo experts Damn. this week. Wow. Yes. Who, is, who is that guy? I thought this was the Obama death panel. No, <laughs> no, it wasn't at all. And so why don't we do quick introductions starting to my left. Hi, I'm Brian Altano. I didn't know I was part of a cadre, but here we are. Yep. Yeah, I thought I quit that a long time ago, too. <laughs> uh, I'm Pear Schneider. Hello. And I'm Jeremy Parrish, who uh, apparently is knowledgeable. Yes, yes. And uh, Jeremy is our special guest today. Jeremy, of course, uh, some of you know, used to work for IGN and now is over at US Gamer as a senior editor, correct? Mm -hmm. That's right. Excellent. And uh, he is here today to talk about a very uh, big topic that we're going to try and focus on this week. But before we tackle it, uh, let's address last week's question of the week. Uh, We asked listeners to send us comments on... The Wonderful 101, and we got a few. Most of it was ignored, I think, just because of the news. It was a bittersweet goodbye for Rich, and we were very happy, you know, for him. And a lot of people in the comments were as well, you know. So, uh, really quick, uh, Ivan Rocks Your Face says, The Wonderful 101 demo is fun and has great, fast-paced gameplay with tons of replayability. Overall, it looks like a great game. Uh, Tibat11, I hope I'm saying that right, uh, he thought The Wonderful 101 demo gave him a good picture of what the game will be like. Uh, he definitely understood some of the frustrations with the controls, and he thinks that uh, maybe folks could be making a bigger deal about it than it is. It, it really depends. Uh, the environments look beautiful, and I love the action sequences. Also, the names of the heroes are amusing. Yeah. I think one was called Wonder Beer. Have you guys That's looked through the, the German heroes? dude. Yeah, I love Wonder Beer. Good, good buddy of mine. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, there's also uh, my favorite was Wonder Gamer, who has the little Famicom controller over his head. Nice. Yep. Yeah, Jeremy, have you played the I demo I haven't played yet? the demo. I played uh, a demo of The Wonderful 101 last year at E3, so I'm sure it's a little different now. Okay, all right. Or it may be the same. The, the demo <laughs> actually be, looks a know. lot like that demo for E3. I mean, that was yeah. pretty much just like run through a city, beat up stuff, and then fight a giant robot. Yep. 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 Oh, yeah, and I played The Wonderful 101 <laughs> demo. How about We've that? made it. All right. <laughs> okay. I can, t- I can do this podcast after all. <laughs> nice. Uh, so a uh, few more comments. Um, wow. Can you say that username? Because I can't. That one right there. Oh, that's Zadusawazwa. No, I can't. Zadusawazwa. No, that's okay. annoying. So, uh, hey, guys. He's loving MVC so far. And he actually threw us a question. He didn't answer our question of the week, and I what? shouldn't even read this. But with Jeremy here, I thought we can get some insight on this question, actually. And He's the only one who can answer that question. Yeah, probably. I don't even know if I can... There's I, a, I make no promises. Okay, there's an RPG uh, for the DS called Magical Star Sign. I went to go look up a video review on the internet. YouTube found nothing. Absolutely nothing for a good quali- of good quality. Um, I know your hands are full with important stuff, but it would be awesome if you can maybe do a minute-long video review. You don't have to do that. I'm not doing a video review. Screw you guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's your okay. job. Jeremy, how is it? <laughs> how is Magical Star Um I played like an hour of it, and I hated it. It's... Um, <laughs> Three out of ten. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> one of those, it's one of those games, one of those uh, those Japanese RPGs where it's like stupid characters who just talk and talk and talk. It's very Golden Sun or mm-hmm. Mario and Luigi Dream Team in that Golden sense. Golden Sun didn't have stupid characters. Yes, Golden Sun has stupid yes, characters Aww. and they say stupid things right, and they fine. just you need to go back and play that. Stop no, they talk too much. Stupid things. <laughs> I agree. They talk too much. I still liked it. Yeah. Stop it. So it, it's very much in that uh, in that vein. Uh, like I don't even remember the combat system or anything. I just know that I played a little bit of it and said there are so many better RPGs on DS. I don't need this. There's also wasn't there a prequel a, like a, a an iteration before the DS version of Magical mm-hmm. Star Sign that's actually considered better to a degree? Or I don't know it if it's considered better. A magical Vacation. Um, that's right. 
Yeah, that was an early Game Boy RPG, Game Boy Advance RPG. And um, from what I've heard, Nintendo, Nintendo was actually going to localize it, and it's like been localized into English, but at some point they said, let's not release this here. So I think that might be an indication of its quality. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, well, is this guy out of good RPGs to play? I, I guess. Is, is that possible? There's so many. There's so many. <laughs> it's interesting, though, uh, Pear, that uh, Golden Sun's chattiness didn't bother you, but oh, I can swear me. last... Oh, it did. Oh, okay. it totally bothered me. No, because last week I thought we talked about uh, Dream team just you and I one morning in the office and we were kind of discussing how it's kind of surprising that chattiness has become a sort of a thing with Nintendo games that is kind of a problem but not or? Nintendo games it's uh, games developed for Nintendo by other developers mm. yeah I mean if you think of some of the street pass games right like uh, how many times do I have to be told about my flower pals right like there's <laughs> oh you it, actually play that game yeah yeah i, I have right. it so i have to play I have it. like it, there's a little blinking light on I'm my okay, ds i'm okay admitting sometimes maybe i shouldn't have spent this five dollars yeah no it's true that that one isn't isn't so hot but there are a lot of rpgs that are kind of like david mamet plays where it's like hey you're gonna go into that house <laughs> yeah i'm gonna go in that house are you really gonna go in that house? <laughs> yeah sure i'm going into that house. you went into the house right <laughs> like it's just too much and like when it's voice acting you can walk away from it it's a different story but if sure. It, if it I think, makes I think you your click. next project needs to be waiting for Mario. Yeah, there you go. That yeah. sounds really good. Mm-hmm. I really like that idea. Is, is Princess Biatch going to be in it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Do you know? Uh, I, we got to tell Princess Jeremy Biatch later. is the girlfriend of Waluigi and Wario. Oh, yeah? Yes. Yeah, we need like a walk yeah. each. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I came up with Princess Biatch. Yeah. <laughs> It's going to run that. There's even fan art, believe it or not. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Of course, there's fan art. There's probably a whole Tumblr <laughs> dedicated to her. Nice. Yeah, at this point. Okay, so that's uh, it for our question of the week. And I actually don't have a new question picked yet, but maybe we can uh, tie in the question of the week to the topic which we're going to discuss this week. So on Saturday, Jeremy uh, published an article over on US Gamer called What's Nintendo's Next Move? And it was sort of an op-ed feature. Uh, Jeremy, if you could just give us sort of the quick summary. Okay. I didn't realize that was what this topic was going to be about. But um, yeah, it's getting so- dark in here. So uh, basically, the the premise of the article that I wrote was, you know, everyone is pretty much ready to throw in the towel on Wii U, even though it's only nine months old. There's just not much in the pipeline for the system. Like, Nintendo's bragging that they have one game a month for it for the rest of the year. That's not a lot of games. And, you know, there are new consoles coming up. So, okay, so Wii U's in big trouble, but the question was, you know, what do they do next? Like, should they just go out of business, or should they give up on the console market? Should they uh, stick to it and keep trying to make the Wii U a success? Um, Interesting recommendations. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Where so did you lean? Um, well, I looked at Nintendo's history and the fact that the company has been through some tough times before. Yeah. And, I mean... Where they are now is actually very similar to where the GameCube was 10 years ago. That was the last time the company lost money, you know, on a quarterly or annual basis. And the way they handled GameCube was to kind of, um, you know, just sort of keep plugging away, releasing games for the hardcore faithful, and then with the next generation of console and handheld, take a huge risk and just kind of, uh, you know, like throw caution to the wind and say it's, you know, sink to heaven, or rise to heaven, sink to hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that paid off for them in spades. And I feel like they were kind of trying to do the same thing with Wii U, but they they wagered in the wrong direction. They tried to fight the tablet uh, market. Yeah. But the tablet market's not a threat to consoles. It's a threat to handhelds. So trying to face off against tablets with a console is counterintuitive, and it's not working for them. I think they may be a little ahead of their time. I do think, uh, I do think you know, iPad, then the next iPads and, uh, and Android tablets are going to impact the console business because 
man, the graphics are getting really, really good on some they of those are, games. I mean, they're they're, they're the an games intrinsically like, different experience. No, I, I, yeah, but they're still mostly used at home, right? Unlike mobile devices that you take with you and you're playing Candy Crush or Puzzle and Dragons or whatever while you're waiting for the bus. So you, you don't usually do that with a tablet. Some people obviously do, but it's still a home device that's quick to turn on, quick to play on. I, I do think tablet is going to eat into console, into the console market and the games are just going to get better. And obviously there are differences in the controls and we love our controllers and buttons. Um, that I, I just think See, that I feel like the I feel like the big appeal of console games is you're playing on a big screen, which you still don't do with tablets. When you get you know into like an Apple device or an Amazon branded device that actually yeah. ties into the TV, that's a threat. But that's still not a tablet because those little consoles, those set top boxes, won't be something you take with you. So I feel like there still is a segregation between the two markets. They're not exactly the same, but they're competing for the same time, right? The time in the home itself. And like tablets right now don't offer awesome online experiences like game consoles. And but I I, I actually think Nintendo has a lot of foresight, right? They gamble a lot. Like the Virtual Boy was a huge gamble, and in that case, the hardware was really crappy. Like it didn't work, right? Like it gave you a headache. Sure. Um, the D DS was gambling. We snickered when we saw the two screens. Is like, you know, really? Two screens on yeah. top of each other? Yeah. And now you just kind of accept and you're like, you know what? That actually solves some issues you have with iPhone games where your finger is in the way of what you want to see, right? Like, mm-hmm. And I feel uh, the GameCube was not a gamble at all, right? It was a gamble in that the way it looked maybe and that they wanted to make it more mainstream. But it was it did exactly what the other platforms mm-hmm. did, and they failed with that. Whereas like the Wii and the the Wii U do very different things from what the other consoles do. But yeah, but the thing is that what the Wii U is doing, like I said, it's it's competing with the tablet space. But you know, if you look at what the other consoles are doing, the, the new upcoming consoles, they're actually doing the same thing by <laughs> harnessing tablets to play the same role yep. as the Wii U's gamepad. Yeah. So you know, there's there's this definite kind of push to keep tablets in a separate space from consoles and you know again the experience is different because playing on a tablet is not the same as playing on a big tv with a big sound system and a nice controller and yeah. and, and in their cases their competitor and nintendo's competitors cases those tablets aren't required right i mean it's an option right. if well, you that, have a that's, that's the thing around. is that i think personally second screen gaming concepts are mostly terrible and incredibly not fun and everything that I've seen to do with second screens everything I saw at E3 in terms of demos was just a distraction that annoys me and keeps me away from the game which is what I want to play and you know those things are being built into next gen systems but they're again they're optional so when people get annoyed with them and realize this isn't what I want to do, like this is another stupid gimmick like 3D visualization, those those consoles can exist just fine without them, but the Wii U can't exist without the gamepad. And not only that, because the GameCube is built into it, it's keeping the cost the of the system comparable to you know the PlayStation 4. It's like 50 bucks cheaper than the PlayStation 4 yeah. because PS4 doesn't come with PSI, whereas the gamepad is built into the, the cost of yeah. the Wii U. You can't have a Wii U system without the gamepad. Yeah, look, I mean, I... I, I hear you. I think the one the one challenge to the whole like uh, tablets and, and consoles are separate argument. And I think smart class and all that is a completely different story because that's more of an extension of what we get on television. Like you start watching The Walking Dead on TV is like use the second screen experience to have something that distracts you from what you want to watch. Right? Like that stuff gets on my nerves, uh, on mm. my nerves so badly because somebody heard that I use a second screen to you know while I'm doing something and then tries to own it. The whole point of my second screen experience was that 
I want to look up an actor on IMDb or I have like a random need or I'm bored with what I'm watching. I'm using the, the second screen. Um, and now everybody tries to kind of grab that experience and control it when, when we don't sure. really need it control. I mean, right? to me, it, but, the whole second screen thing is an admission that what we're creating as creators <laughs> is not interesting enough to keep you interested. Or, Nothing or, is anymore, though. Well, or that we can just do multiple things at once, right? Yeah, like, but, I mean... But we're doing multiple things at once because we want those things to be maybe different. We don't want everything to like jump through hoops. Like the worst thing is like I'm watching uh, like Top Chef right now, right? And it's like if you want to find out who won the the sous chef challenge, go online and watch them. Like no, that's not the point no, of I, you I, watching I, videos I, online. Right oh, that's like the, actually, that's like the Final Fantasy IX strategy guy that was like, want to know how to beat this boss? Go to playonline.com. Yeah, yeah. I, I actively I hate that. that kind of stuff where it's they so they, they segregate content from you and keep it locked behind some online thing that I have to go watch on my phone. Like to go from my giant television to like, oh look, they got all the guys from Chop to do a special thing on the side, yeah. but it's a webisode. It's like you which guys is the have worst a television. Word you could tell Just me. show it on TV. Yeah. But anyway, back to the back to the tablets thing. Nintendo competes much more directly against that market, right? Like I, I think a lot of tablet usage is in the home by families, and a lot of kids take over their parents' iOS devices. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we we know the play. There's uh, there, there's been studies on playtime from from minors on those machines. There's a lot, right? And Nintendo is much much closer to the market than Microsoft and Sony are with their titles, right? You have games like Little Big Planet that are a little bit more you know accessible, but that's Nintendo's business, man. They create games that anyone can pick up, you know, whether you're a hardcore gamer or you're you're a kid, and. You know, that I think Nintendo and Iwata said, hey, we have to watch out. The iPad is going to eat our lunch, so we need something. But what they build is not like the iPad. That's the whole thing with the Wii U. I feel like the Wii U is actually closer to the Xbox than the, exactly. the PS4. No, I, I, I don't think this has anything to do with the yeah. iPad, really. I think that this the system came out. It was positioned at a weird time. It didn't have the right games. And people looked historically at something that wasn't going to get a ton of third-party support. And they looked to the future for what's coming for the next-gen consoles. And they compared that to what we we have right now with the Wii U and it just didn't look like it looked like this sort of like half sibling mutant thing that was stuck between worlds I love my Wii U I actually really enjoy playing games on it I love the whole like someone else is watching TV and I can click over and I'm playing I'm playing Splinter Cell on a little screen in my hands. I love that. Mm-hmm. I think that that's something that everyone obviously is going to be trying to do in doing the next few years. I think that that's a great idea because you know, unless you know we all get our own TVs we're going to be having arguments over who gets to do what. I think people looked at the Wii U. They didn't know what it was. They didn't know what it meant. They didn't know what games it played. And in fact, we're hardcore Nintendo fans here. I don't know what games I'm going to be playing on that thing in a year. You know, Smash Brothers, maybe. After December. Mario Kart, maybe. Yeah, uh, I mean, I still uh, don't know. Their messaging has been screwy since the start. Yeah, I mean, they said Mario Kart is 2014. And then you know as a Nintendo fan what's coming, right? Like the big franchises, you you have a good idea. So let's – uh oh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. But just there was something brought up earlier that I kind of wanted to focus on a little where we were talking a little bit about the second screen experience. Mm-hmm. And shouldn't Nintendo sort of be leading the way on that considering mm-hmm. that they have the most experience with it? Well, I mean, yeah, the they have. Have, they have experience building games on two screens, but that's not the same as a second screen experience. What you see with the two screens on DS is an integral package. It yeah. is the same experience 
spread across two screens for different purposes, like mm-hmm. if, you know, for a menu or a map or something like that. Sure. That's not the second screen experience we're talking about, which is here's some kind of distracting supplemental BS that's going to entertain you while you're ostensibly being entertained with some other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, personally, what I would like to see is Nintendo lead the charge pushing back against that. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm like the last human on earth who's capable of focusing on something and actually being focused on it and just, you know, really enjoying it. Does that make me like some kind of nowadays caveman? It uh-huh. almost does. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. Like if, if you think about that 15 years ago, 10 years ago, people went to movie theaters or people turn on a movie and they watch the movie and that was it. Yeah. But that's what I do. Well, like yeah, when, I, but, when I sit down to watch, you know, an episode of Breaking Bad or something, there's commercials in there and they're annoying. And I, you know, flip through the internet while, while the commercial's on. But while I'm watching the show, I'm watching the show. You know, I love You've never tweet- live tweeted during something? You've tweeted, right? I mean, that, uh, during that's, press conferences. But see, but that's a, a lot of people will but tweet. During, yeah, and, like during a TV show that I'm really enjoying, I don't. I, don't I tweet. think most people do, though. They go, like, holy crap, did you see what Heisenberg? Burke said, right? Like they, they're, uh, they, they are using second screen. They're not using it the entire time. However, kids do, man. Like every time I walk into my son's bedroom and he's playing a game on his Xbox 360, he has an iPhone playing videos, like right there. And it's sometimes it's the same game. Sometimes it's like somebody's building some freaking, uh, you know, redstone lava thrower. Like, or sometimes it's a completely different game. And you know, it's and how many how many screaming, screens right? will yeah. his kids need? <laughs> <laughs> Their eyeballs will like, actually have something built into Think about that. <laughs> well, there is a little kid sitting on his shoulders with two more iPads. So yeah. There's, there's that already. Um, but I hear you. So, it's so obviously not for Basically, my problem with Wii U is that I'm old. No. Uh, no but I'm no. right there with you, believe no. it or not. I, I also have a very like singular focus as far as attention goes. Like I only want to consume one thing at a time. But, I find myself flipping through my phone while I'm doing something else, but... I really try to stop doing that because I feel like I'm not paying attention very well to yeah, either. Yeah, when I find myself doing that, to me, that's a sign that what I'm doing is not worth well, my time. So sure. then I stop doing it. Hold yeah. on, though. It's not like it's not like Wii U was designed to have two competing experiences. Like the DS wasn't designed that way either, right? Like the early DS games used you know stupid actions like blowing to the mic. Like everybody wanted to use everything, yeah. and it actually distracted from the experience. Luckily, we're not seeing as much stuff on the Wii U where people are using the screen to do lots of got to look away. But it is a touch screen, so it added a touch screen to a console experience. I just don't think we've seen any good implementations of controls with that. Like even no. Pikmin is an awesome game, but Pikmin is awesomer with the Wii yep. remote yep. and the yeah. nunchuck that than with that tablet. That was what inspired this editorial right? in the first place. Yeah, the remote, it because is. I enjoyed Pikmin three so much more with the Wii remote, and it made me remember, like, you know, when you use this interface for good video games that are really well designed yep. and are built around this, it's a great experience, and yep. that's something that we've actually lost this generation because everyone backed away because of the stigma. I had, I had the exact same sort of re-revelation where I was like, wow, this was great. Why did we stop using this? It was because so many crappy games came yeah, out for Wii. There yeah. were too many flicks. There was yeah. a stigma. I mean, just, just that whole, I have, a, I have a, a joystick and I have a pointer control. It was brilliant and it worked well for so many games and we stopped doing it because it sort of got destroyed. And then the graphics weren't great on the Wii, so it got hard to look at that console after yeah. a long time. Interestingly enough, the competition still hasn't figured out motion control the way Nintendo did either. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, for games like Pikmin or games like Skyward Sword, for all of its you know strengths and faults, the motion controls were a good part of that game. Well, Sony figured out how to make the controller. They just didn't figure out how to make the 
the pick yeah, 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 and it was an add-on, and you know yeah, that that never works that well. I do think the Dual Shock will let you do some cool stuff with like menu selection through mm -hmm. motion control, but I mean the Wii is unique in that you had a sword in your hand, right? So something like Skyward Skyward Sword, we were probably not going to see on the other machine. Something being an add-on does not necessarily mean no one's going to figure it out. The Dual Shock was originally that's an add -on. true, yeah, but like that started out and they made the game Ape Escape just to show off the fact true. that hey, look, you can use all these different sticks to do different crazy things. Yep. I remember when Genesis now controllers. That's just, that's just a standard. Do you remember when Genesis yeah. controllers suddenly had six buttons, and it was like, yeah. oh well, I better get that for Street Fighter. But mm -hmm. so, guys, back to the Wii U though. Like, if you think about the console, there there are some good demonstrations on where a touchscreen matters, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you go into the you go into Miiverse and you see the the drawings that people share. There's something that's very unique that would be really hard to pull off on any other console right. platform, even on a PC. I mean, you need people who have tablets can maybe do drawings or you can scan something. But the Wii U is really unique that way. It's just that the software didn't follow, right? Like even Nintendo's core titles didn't have that many applications that needed the tablet. Mario dabbled in it with the ability to say something about a level, right? Which was really clever. But you could mm -hmm. do that with like normal text entry. And so sure. I think that's the big question. Uh, is there any software on the horizon that can demonstrate that that touchscreen and tablet makes a huge difference? Or are we the ones who are yelling for more Mario Kart and Smash Brothers and please don't change the controls of Smash Brothers, yeah. kind of keeping that back That's as right. well, right? I, I wonder, I mean, I feel like Nintendo Land was a great example of what the second screen and what like you can do with a touchscreen or integrate it into a game sure. fairly well. I mean, there are a few misses like a what is the the, the castle mini game that's in uh, Nintendo Land? Yeah, I forget the, the name. Takeshi, yes. or not Takeshi, yeah, Takeshi. Yeah, we all, we uh, all yeah, know whatever. We, exactly. Um, <laughs> but there were really smart implementations of it, uh, and they mostly worked in a party setting. And it feels like some of the better mm -hmm. second screen experiences have also focused on multiplayer. Multiplayer has been kind of the thing that makes it cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I will also say too, Nintendo got a lot of shit for launching a sort of half-baked console that had a lot of problems and day one patches and there were problems with things and updates didn't work and things that they promised didn't come until later on. Um, yeah, that's because people haven't used Xbox One and PS4 yet. But exactly, they're going to have the same problem. Exactly. Like, if <laughs> you right. think that was bad, wait until this fall. We get to do that all over again. The, the Wii U was a lot of people's first console launch. Like, get ready, guys, because that's I'm not wishing perils on any of these people but this <laughs> is what the happens yeah the reality of complicated machines coming out and millions of people testing them for the first time yeah. ship breaks yeah and not only that but I mean now we have simultaneous launches worldwide it yep. used to be that we'd have six months nine months a year between yep. console launches Dreamcast was out like a year before it came mm -hmm. in, in Japan before it came into the US and they yeah. had time to go in and fix things yeah but but so I, I think the question that you post in your editorial is really smart. I mean, the, Nintendo, obviously, they feel like they are one of the originators of gaming, right, in the modern era. Like post-Atari, they really brought it back. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of pride there, right? They don't want to abandon the console market. And, I mean, financially, they can have the Wii U tank, and it's not going to be an issue for them. Right? No. Nintendo is a huge bank. Yeah, I mean, this past quarter, they reported a profit because yep. the 3DS is doing really, yeah, really well. Yeah, and the 3DS is That's doing right. really well. But the question now for that company is like, should we fight him or should we join him, right? Nintendo making Pokemon on, we talked about this before, on, on iPhone, that would be humongous, right? And if you're looking at, I, I brought up like Puzzle uh, Puzzle and Dragons, right? Like that game makes multiple million dollars every day in Japan. 
It's a you know through, through microtransactions, and Nintendo could definitely make a lot of money with Pokemon iOS, and they could make a lot of money on some of the existing consoles as well, especially if they still keep their 3DS and own the handheld market and tie it in with consoles in right. some fashion. But why they not? Why not drop the price of the Wii U a little bit and put a Pokemon game on Wii U and because move I think all their audience over there. I don't think they're making any money on Wii U consoles now, and if yeah. they drop the price, then they're losing money every time they sell a system. Sure. So the better the system does, the worse it is for their financials. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so the then it makes situation. more sense to start doing things like bundles and stuff right. like that. But. Yeah. So and, then they yeah. ride out this fall is what we're basically all saying, right? As far yeah, as and well, that was their, their launch. I mean, even if they do the that rumored Wind Waker bundle, as as Jeremy said before, you know, they're fifty dollars under the PS4, which is a ridiculous value to look sure at. If the, you get Wind Waker, yeah. I mean, well, if you look at the the difference between those two things, the PlayStation Four launches with you know what? How many games are at launch? Like thirty. It's a big, it, it, on paper, it's a big launch, but I mean, will all those games make it is always the question, right? I mean, we sure. see delays happen the closer we get to a launch, right? Like, that's sure. not a, a new or crazy thing. And those games will have their share of problems and stuff like that. But to look at something that's, you know, a generation ahead, but $50 more, it's, I mean, if you're yeah. sitting in the store, mm-hmm. it's not an easy, you know, it's, it's not a hard decision to go. You know, PS4 looks like it has more value right now. And this yeah. is coming from someone that loves his Wii U and has been playing it for a year. Yeah, I think so. I mean, just to back to your question again, is like, I think Nintendo should write it out. I think, you know, their strategy of supplying a good game every month is is cool. It's not a, a strategy that works for every gamer, certainly not for the core gamers, right? Um, it's not good for single platform owners, but it may be enough for families, right? And I think if they lean into the family market, they have something that is different. It, it's half the price of some one of the competitors, right? It's way cheaper. It makes a difference um, at, at Christmas time. And then the visuals and the type of game that they represent is, feels very safe, right? Wind Waker looks like an animated movie. Wonderful 101 looks like an animated comic book kind of superhero anime mm-hmm. thing. And like those are games that parents feel okay buying for their seven, eight, nine, ten-year-olds, um, whereas like a lot of the commercials from from Sony are about blowing stuff up. And by the way, guys, I'm not saying it's a complete kitty console. I love those games, mm-hmm. you know. But it is a different play when you're going up against Microsoft and Sony, or clearly competing for the Call of Duty gamer, for mm-hmm. you know someone who's wants to drive realistic cars in Forza or Drive Club. Yeah, whatnot, the real right? children that run this <clears throat> industry. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I'm sorry, but the, the the more mature, older people I know. Nintendo, are the ones Nintendo's that have no approach playing. to competing has always been just kind of to quietly say, "But look, we have the best games." And yeah. I think I think it's hard for them to make that argument these days. Like, there's not a lot of real innovation happening in Nintendo franchises anymore. Like, playing Pikmin 3, I stopped and realized, you know, besides the Wii brand of games, this was the last franchise that Nintendo created, and that was 2001. Yeah. Like, what they about- haven't really... Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, I mean yeah, they have little fit? things what like, about, like right, but that's, yeah, that's one of those like generic Wii games. That's kind of you know, like it has no real personality. Mm-hmm. Like, hi, I'm a talking uh, you know balance board. No, okay. remember they, they called they called Woohoo Island a character. Yeah, that? Uh, I remember that. So yeah. you know, they yeah. they don't have that that legacy kind of uh, happening you know within the past decade. It's, yeah, it, mm-hmm. like the, the things that people are excited about are games that you know started in the '80s. Yeah, and I, you know, the the longer those get in the tooth, the harder it is for them to be able to say, "But look, you love Mario, and we've given you like five new Super Mario Brothers <laughs> games that are all pretty much the same. Don't yeah. you want more? Don't you want more? Is it yeah. does is it unfair then more. that Nintendo gets dinged on nostalgia when that's 
what people seem to want. At least, I mean, it, well, it's that's what their fans, or, some of their fans want. I would, yeah. I would argue that a company like Microsoft would kill for a fraction of the nostalgia. Oh that yeah, oh has. of course. I mean, if they I mean, can go, hey guys, it's been 15 years since the first Blinks game. Yeah. I mean, nobody gives a shit. <laughs> there's, there's, do, there's do you a really reason. think people are going to be sitting around in 10 years uh, talking about the first Halo the way that they, they we'll, we'll always talk about the first Mario game for the rest of our lives? There's a reason so. that no one has made a Smash Brothers killer, despite yeah. many people having tried. Yeah. Uh, and it's because no one has that staple of characters. Because, yeah, you get that idea and you bust through the door and you go, all right, we're going to have Nathan Drake, we're going to have the... Kills Here's a the, big uh, daddy, guys. That <clears throat> Japanese cat that eats onions, and then uh, <laughs> fat princess. Oh, the studio's closing. Oh, sorry, we tried. Yeah, no, I mean, there's a very. The, the, that's where I feel like Nintendo's characters almost an ensemble cast, right? You yeah. put them together, and you look at them, and you think Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's there's something about Fox and Donkey Kong and Mario and, and Samus. Mario. Like it just somehow fits together, even though they're some are talking animals, some are you know fat Italians or. Um, you pointed at Brian. Yeah. For those not watching, <laughs> yes. um, I'm working on that. Yeah, um, and but but they all it just it it fits together, and I think they need to lean into that. But I think the thing that where they missed out big time is jumping on franchises that were so Nintendo that Nintendo should have oh. created them and and somehow figured out how to get them exclusively or yeah. at least early on their platforms. We're talking about Skylanders. You're talking, we're talking about Minecraft. About, we're talking about Minecraft. If Minecraft had come out, like, look, even when it was already phenomenon on uh, on, on PCs... If and they had gotten maybe, that instead of Microsoft. Yeah, and a lot of listeners may not have played it or may, may not like it, but there is a huge audience of teens who are playing this game every day and that's all they're playing. If they had released a Mario Universe version of Minecraft where m- many of the tiles are question mark blocks and you can build freaking Mario Kart tracks instead of, instead mm-hmm. of like mine carts and stuff. Yeah. This would have been a huge hit. Or kind of like uh, The Sims when it was on Super Nintendo, right? How it had sort of a Mario, Mario, oh, however you want to say it, yeah. spin. You know, this, I mean, this, Sin is, City, this is right, not The Sims. Excuse this me. is the company that makes the most weirdest decisions when it allows its characters to be licensed out. I mean, Jeremy, you and I both reviewed Scribblenauts. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Wii U, and they you that game was about adjectives, and you couldn't use them on Nintendo characters. You couldn't make right. certain things happen to certain characters. They're very strange with that. But the, on the other side, then they'll be like, "Hey, there's this NBA basketball game coming out. Let's put Peach in it." Yep. You know, it's they make bizarre decisions. They, they <clears throat> loosened their they loosened their restrictions. I mean, it used to be they were super tight yeah. on all of that stuff. Yes. You so know? you know, pair as a counterpoint to what you were saying about them not you know wrapping up uh, franchises i would say that's only true of things that are developed in the west in japan yeah. they own japan they are they have monster hunter dragon quest mm-hmm. They have all these huge franchises wrapped around their finger. Do they own it, though, because they actively pushed for them or because the 3DS was a runaway no success and these guys no came over, right? Yeah. Monster Hunter was big on Japanese do business. But Monster Hunter was big on PSP, right? It was. And, and not on previous Nintendo systems. And only with the success of the 3DS did it come over. And then no, probably they, they baked a they Wii U had, version in there, They had Monster there, right? Hunter wrapped up yeah, back Monster when Hunter. no one cared about 3DS. Yeah, Monster Hunter was making Sony money. I mean, that was selling PSPs Nintendo threw giant stacks of cash at Capcom. You think I, so? I, they must they have. They did have, I mean, they obviously like, there had. Was, there was no confidence in 3DS at the time that they said, Monster Hunter 4, 
coming to 3DS. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that was that was out of left field, and that was something no one expected, and it seemed kind of like suicide for Capcom. But they, now it's the right decision because 3DS is doing really well. They did do a similar thing with GameCube. Obviously, with Sega, they pushed hard on the on the Sonic franchise, or so we think. It may also be that Sega just recognized that Sonic is best at home on a on a Nintendo console. So there are definitely those relationships, and we have seen them tie up things. But you're absolutely right. In the West is where the oversight is lacking, right. and I don't That's know if it's most... because NCL doesn't take NOA seriously, or NOA just doesn't bubble this kind of content I th- up, I right? think the, the Sonic thing came from the Olympics games that sold better yeah. than anything Sega had done in years, and they were like, hey, we gotta hang out with these guys more. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, Sonic was was pretty big. Sonic Team was doing a lot for GameCube. I mean, remember yeah. Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg? I do. No one else yeah. does. But yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't know much about that game, except it had a really great soundtrack. Yeah. And Sega but, um, did an awesome F-Zero game, too. But yeah, yeah, they did. The, the, right. the problem is that um, you know a lot of the really creative that. franchises now, not franchises, but creative new game ideas are happening in the Western independent space. Not, yeah, yeah. not from big studios. Those are those are the opposite of creative. Those are like pure safety. I mean, they make Nintendo look like flaming risk takers compared to the way they approach sequels. Yeah. But but Nintendo is a very Japanese company company and it's a very insular company and it has a hard time looking beyond the boundaries of its own market, of its own backyard, of even of its own internal development. So I think it's really tough for Nintendo to you know, be able to focus on where this innovation is happening in the the western independent market and you know, I'm I'm sure there are people at NOA pushing to make NCL aware of this, but it's and just going to be a long time before NCL yeah. really, really wakes up to it, and maybe too late then. And sometimes it works. Lego City is a, is an example where Nintendo was able to sign on a partner, right, to create a, a unique game for Nintendo platforms. Um, yeah, but it's not, like awesome. they, it's not like they've wrapped up the Lego brand, they, but they, they they got an exclusive game for Nintendo. They, they did, and the unfortunate thing is that I think a lot of the Lego games sold not just on the Lego brand power alone, but the the piggybacking brand like Indiana Jones and Star Wars yeah, and stuff. Right. And Lego City was missing that one factor, mm-hmm. right? And then honestly, I mean, they didn't push it either. Like, Lego City yeah. was weirdly for the '80s babies that remembered Legos when they just back used when to they be. were just Legos. Yeah, yeah it was just That's like, right. hey, it's the cops, it's and, the space set, hey, yeah, it's the pirate set, totally. And they nailed that. And for me, I love that game, but kids nowadays would rather, I mean, you can, if you can get the uh, open world Avengers Lego, then yeah, you're going to play that over like, you yeah. know, Lego town or whatever. So to Pear's point earlier about, you know, going after maybe some of the Western games, where do indies fall in all of this? Where... Well, I mean, that's, that's what I was talking about. Yeah. And that's where the great ideas are coming. And Sony is the company that's going in and saying, give us, give us, give us. Yeah. And, you know, there, there are some indie games showing up on, on eShop. Yeah, yeah they I'm, I'm not denying inf- that. They had little Inferno but launch and some I, other titles. I think they're, they're, they're doing a, a better stuff, job with that kind of stuff. And I think They are, like, but Sony is eating their lunch. Yeah, to- no, totally, totally. But I, I think that right now that's a good that's a really good debate to see happening. Mm-hmm. Like to see all these people fighting over these little mm-hmm. guys. Oh, it's, absolutely. It's such yeah. an awesome space that you can, I can look down at my Wii U and be like, let's see, do I play Rayman Legends or do I play Cloudberry Kingdom or do I play like, they're all, and if you go on the eShop, they're all, you know, showcased with the same sort of mm-hmm. uh, level of real estate where mm-hmm. you can go, here's a giant picture of Pikmin 3. Right underneath it is a giant picture of Little Inferno. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's a cool thing to see. And I think, honestly, Nintendo would be smart to leverage a lot of that because that takes the weight off of their shoulders for a little while while they figure out how to make HD games, yeah. which they still totally haven't learned. But that's- a lot of that is not making its way back east. And no. that's that's also the case for Sony. I was talking to some people at the, the Sony uh, Gamescom tie-in event that they had here in San Francisco. 
Francisco a couple of days ago where they were showing off a bunch of Vita games. And, you know, we were talking about, hey, there's all these really great games that are coming, and, oh, here's one game from the Japan studio. Yeah. One game. Yeah. All, all the great stuff that's happening on the Vita right now is coming from the West. That's crazy. Like, when has the West ever been the driving force behind making a handheld console attractive? That's mm. never happened in the history of history. I, I would argue that most game developers in the West got burned out by the annual regurgitation cycle faster than most game developers in Japan did. It's a lot easier to break away from blah, blah, blah 2013 than it is for, hey, it's the third Mario game in five years. Yeah. Like To sit there and go, I want to make an indie game. I mean, if you look at like Fez and what... Uh, what he was working on before he went to make that game, like read about when he was at Ubisoft and it's just like, that's miserable. Like people would come in and, and shit on his ideas and he'd leave. Like I think in Japan it's sort of different. I think for Nintendo specifically, they have that weird design philosophy where somebody gets a good idea for a game and instead of making it into a game, they figure out how to fit it with one of their franchises where they're like, Oh, what if we had this motion controlled sword thing? Oh, give it the Zelda. Yeah. Oh, what about this? It's, it's a yeah. flashlight hunting thing. Luigi's perfect for that. We'll give his, yeah. his uncle, we'll give him a mansion and then we'll give him a whole story for it. Well, and one of the reasons they're not sort of caught up, I guess on independence, right? Is because the scene is so small in Japan. It's not, a way that it, it's not out here where like there are things like Kickstarter where more and more indie projects are getting exposure. I mean, I guess that stuff does. Is there an equivalent in Japan? I don't think so, and that's why like for Kickstarter or for no indies. Japanese studios are using Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah. I mean more. I guess what I mean more Indie. is independent developers in Japan yeah, like, finding ways to get word out about their this, product. I think they're they're working on it, and things like um, Bit Summit. Summit are yeah. really going to be helpful, but. You know, the the cultural differences between the West and Japan, I think, are a big factor there because the the individual, like, you know, aspirations, that sort of thing, are kind of pushed back to the side. They're, the Japan is not a culture as much about, like, the American dream of I'm going to get rich. Yeah. Um, and so, I you know, I think that has something to do with the fact that Japan's indie scene, the, you know, people going solo has been sort of slow to happen. And, you know, you look back 10, 15 years ago and the really cool indie games that were happening by guys like Kinta Cho and Abba, Pixel, those were all Japanese guys. Mm -hmm. But then, Suda. like... Uh, yeah, Suda. Well, yeah, Suda is a funny sure. name, actually, because Suda's on his, what, eighth failed game in a row? And yeah. I love his stuff. How many publishers how, how, burned yeah, how many? Yeah, how many people could get away with that in America? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the, the, the kind of, like, pioneers of early indie games, uh, you know, in the, the beginning of last decade were all Japanese, and then mm -hmm. that scene never really blossomed, but, but Westerners looked at that and were like, by God, we can do that too. Well, I think that in you know over here and in Europe, the indie scene was uniquely PC focused, right? And PC yeah. as a gaming platform, you know, got saved by some of the. I feel like got saved by some of the innovative ideas and by you know in in some cases by browser games and and the free to play market and games like League of Legends, right? Like uh, PC made a big comeback in Japan. That gaming scene does not exist to that extent. But I do yeah. think indie gaming is developing on the mobile platform over there, um, you know, and, and iOS started a bit later in, in Japan as well as, as here. Um, I, I do think that we're going to see a ton more of that in the future. The yeah, actually, now that, you, now that you mention it, Japan also has a PC gaming scene, but the games that they make aren't really the games that <laughs> you would necessarily share with your friends That's and right. family. Yeah. There and is, there are a lot of, like, there, no, there are a lot of indie developers <laughs> in Japan, but yeah, most of them are making visual novels That's and most right. of them have pornographic content in them. Mm -hmm. So it's become this sort of niche. And yeah, I mean, that, that kind of self-feeding otaku culture 
Um, I think that's really been toxic to Japan. That's right. And I'm those games. I'm glad Pear doesn't make us cover those things. I don't no. want to be the IGN of panty stealing Sims or whatever. <laughs> Some of those games. How come you keep on asking about that? I, I just want to play them for fun. I feel no, like that's well. You may have your chance. Xseed's publishing a very <laughs> smutty game in a, uh, on the eShop in a couple of. Oh I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Sinner and Kagura. Yep. <sighs> That's anyway, so I mean, where do we where do we see the Wii U landing? Like, is it the second console, like it was the GameCube, where you played all the it's, interesting things there once every couple of months, but you played most of everything else on your PS4, or Xbox? Yeah, and does Nintendo figure out the third party situation? Yeah, because I mean, they're not winning the they're not winning the war ever. I don't think it's even the second console. Honestly, I think it's the third. I think 3DS is going to be the second console already, right? Sure. Like, if you have a you have a mainstream gaming platform. Yeah, you have one of the big kind of next-gen machines, and the 3DS is really the only dedicated handheld choice, I think, which puts Wii U at kind well, of third, maybe, you know. Then they, they need to figure out a way to piggy, piggyback off of their own success then. And I mean, like, yeah. the Animal Crossing app for that's Wii it. U no, was not it. Like, no. it's a step, and it's them going, hey, wait a minute, let's try to get those people over here. And that's the conversation they need to start happening. Like, there needs to be connectivity between all of those things and it's like it's weird that sony kind of figured that out i don't know if it's connectivity as much as like something you love landing on the wii u right like Mm -hmm. smash brothers is interesting because it used to be that you had to have a console to play smash brothers now they're putting it on 3ds as well right Mm -hmm. but like are there ideas like animal crossing that people fall in love with that then will make their way back to the wii u and and really hook you there see i I don't i don't 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 think you can count on animal crossing being the savior of wii u because i think what people have realized is this game works so well on a handheld system and i don't want to play it on a console yeah and i'm not sure brian if sony has really figured it out i mean i feel like some indie titles you're seeing like these cross buy experiments or the occasional first party cross by exper- uh, experience sort of thing happening but I still don't know if necessarily that's a huge factor for people I still don't see um, no but I mean that them doing that with some games is better than me going hey it's my fourth thing I've bought balloon fight on yeah I mean yeah. that's ridiculous Virtual yeah, but this time it was only 30 a, cents yeah. so it's kind of <laughs> worth it <laughs> I mean there's no there's no communication between any of those platforms and the fact that Sony just came in and they're like oh you can play uh, all your PS4 games on your Vita that's yeah. just the thing we're doing and I, Nintendo was like you can play your thing on your TV or your small thing I, here I think that's that was a matter of pitch. I, I think that. Nintendo will absolutely go there where you feel a sense of ownership over your Nintendo library and you know honestly I wouldn't be surprised if someday we'll own these games we'll be able to play them online on nintendo.com as well if you bought them right sure. like a lot of the classics like that to me makes sense where it, with nintendo it's less about the hardware than it is about these game franchises and these characters and so that should be central to the nintendo experience uh, of the see, future that's interesting because to me i see sony being the first company to go with their console brand playstation as a service rather than a device like to me, yeah, I, I, I see. Totally I see five or six years from now, PlayStation will be a chip that you can put into a Blu-ray player or a television, and you can just stream those games and play them mm-hmm. on any device you own. Um, Nintendo has always been hardware has always been integral to Nintendo because they want that control over that ecosystem, and they want to you know kind yeah. of create this self-contained experience. In the and past, I, I, I agree. feel like it's. They, they, yeah, they, I, they, I have, I have trouble they, imagining them saying, you know, the hell with it. Let's just, you know, they make the, Have any of you guys... Control, I'm sorry, but the control on the ecosystem, if we as anything to go by, tends to fluctuate. I mean, you have like... Nintendo will basically approve a game being published or not, but there was some really bad shovelware on Wii. I mean, is that part of... 
Like well, that's because that. they got rid of their seal of quality, man. Yeah. Yeah. And once that sticker went away, everything went away. Yeah, yeah we, I think we, we was a unique experience. I mean, GameCube actually had a pretty quality lineup mm-hmm. compared to the Wii, right? Like, yeah, if you think so if back, people were making games for it, they tended to be pretty good. Yeah, yeah and like there were th- third-party games like Time Splitters that were just awesome. And, so, you know, yeah, when, had, I, when had I say the, they want control of the hardware, I don't mean necessarily they're going to micromanage every right. game that comes out for it. What I mean is that they want that like you know that sense of how does this machine work how can we get mm-hmm. the you, most out of this device like nintendo always makes the best looking games for their systems yeah. or yeah. their second parties you know retro made amazing looking game sure games. And, and to back up real quick i think it had the gamecube sold five times more than it did it would have had maybe 10 more amazing games and 200 pieces of shit mm. yeah. like that we never would have played suddenly went there instead yeah, you know, we pieces don't. of shit went to the other platforms instead. Yeah, yeah, we don't know that. I mean, there were there were really good and unique new franchises started on the other platforms that just couldn't be done on the GameCube because of some of the limitations and the way the ecosystem was set up, right? Like GameCube just opted out of online and like yes. didn't yeah. even want to like further that. I um, mean, not in terms of but, of, of uh, power though. Yeah. I mean, graphics wise, no, Resident Evil Four looked better than anything else that it, came out that generation. GameCube well, it was best a, on GameCube actually. And yeah, yeah, GameCube was a good machine. There were there were a bunch it. of games that actually looked really nice on. GameCube mm-hmm. too, but it also came with a lot of limitations. And back to back to the whole hardware story. Yeah, I think Nintendo is the toy maker, right? Mm-hmm. They are whenever they approach a new console or a new piece of hardware, they're thinking about an action that you take. Like, how is this mm-hmm. different? How does this right. get get you closer to the game experience? And I could imagine them in the future being more, even more of a toy maker. Um, and not building the traditional kind of console hooking up to a television setup and letting the other guys that do, uh, do that. I mean, maybe not. Maybe they're, they're just way too proud to ever get out of that market. I don't um, think it's pride. I honestly think that they're... I think there's some pride involved. Pride. You do? Because yeah, I really is. feel that they're just they're just sort of sitting there going, well, I don't get it. I thought people just want to play Mario games and stuff like that. What's wrong? And no. everyone's like, no, no, no. We want leaderboards. We want interactive online messaging. We want uh, kill death matches. We want to be able to link up with 50 people and watch a movie together. And Nintendo's like, oh, shit, I guess we can try that. Well, here's TV. Well, Nintendo has always positioned themselves as like not following the trends of the industry. But yeah. then, again, they did make a tablet-based console which is weird because the tablet was becoming a thing before right and they made a 3d handheld because 3d was like the big trend now no one wants 3d it's an embarrassment and but this is the only time i think they've done that right where sort of a pre-existing like the tablet was becoming a a big popular thing and they sort of jumped on i think it's the melees of being on top like no one really has managed to conquer the console market and then stay on top for the next generation. Sony did it with PlayStation to PlayStation 2, but PlayStation 2 was so big they got arrogant and PlayStation 3 was a huge flop for years until it finally kind of caught up from behind. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, when you get on top, you... It's just... It's harder to, um, I think, aim for something when you're on top because you've already got what you wanted Mm -hmm. and... There's not that like that instinct to fight and yeah. that desperate need to like we have to really turn this yeah. around. I mean, we was we was really original and clever, mm-hmm. and I mean, they looked at their machine, they said, yeah, it is completely underpowered, right? Mm-hmm. And they did not think it was a big deal because they knew they'd reach a market that didn't care that much, right? And they cared about price more, and price was the right card to play at the time when you know everybody was counting their pennies. Yeah. Um, the problem with Wii is like I felt like the Wii kind of hurt the brand over time where 
at, everybody was super excited about Wii, and it was like Tickle Me Elmo, right? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. once you get to Tickle Me Elmo, Elmo 2, people don't care anymore. And so I was really surprised that they reused the brand yep. Wii U mm-hmm. um, yeah. for the second console. I felt like it was almost a toxic brand, like when you talk to other people. I, I think it they must have They must have done a lot of research, though, to, to find otherwise, right? Yeah, otherwise, they wouldn't have named research. it that. The difference with Tickle Me Elmo 2 is that people knew it was the second Tickle Me Elmo. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wii U yeah, I mean, the, the problem is Wii U doesn't communicate. This is a new system. If they yeah. had called it Super Wii, mm-hmm. that would have been fine. Sure. You think if they so? called it Wii 2, that would have been fine. Yeah. But Wii U, yeah, I don't that's know. cute. But I what is the it name? Mean? I think the Wii brand had to go. I don't know. I, I still think anytime you see Wii in the title, and don't get me wrong, Super Wii totally reminds me of Super Nintendo to Nintendo and that upgrade. Everyone knew that Super Nintendo but was an Wii upgrade. Knew. Over did, our, did our parents, like, did other people's parents? Yes, did they most resented. Families? They were like, why do you want me to buy another system? We already yeah. put so much money into this NES. Yeah. Mm. We're not buying you in Super NES. Yeah. yeah. Screw mm-hmm. that. Okay. But I, I think the power brands are Mario and the power brand is Nintendo and I think it'd be much smarter to to use those. There, like there was there was also I mean the Wii was about getting a bunch of people together and the Wii U is not. And well, when you it, watch it the commercials for the Wii way. U, yeah, the commercials started yeah, like, started hey, get way. four people over to your house to play this game. That never happens with that system. The Most of the times I use that system is somebody, my girlfriend's using the TV. Yeah. I hit a button and I play Mario. You know Mario. what? That's different from me, though. You know, I have three yeah. kids and we play four-player games and the new Mario games is four-player. I mean, they even redid the perspective to kind of allow for better co-op play mm-hmm. in that one. Yeah. Mario Kart's definitely multiplayer. Um, Pikmin has a multiplayer mode. So I think that's happening more. So, uh, but me- I think it is happening for families I, let me ask yeah. you this then because your kids aren't jaded old cynics that review video games for a living what do they think about the Wii U uh, they love Pikmin and they want to play it but they are what kids talk about on the schoolyard are iOS games and That's Minecraft mm-hmm. and yep. honestly very early on I don't let my my 11 uh, year old play Call of Duty but his friends all play Call of Duty Yeah, and so that's the talk of the town but it is really about League of Legends it's about Minecraft on the PC it's about Clash of Clans man everybody's still playing Clash Clash, uh, Clash of Clans um, or Temple Run and, or Temple Run 2 it is something. not it is, it is not about the next Mario right yeah. it, it isn't yet it's just not that's not part of their yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's not a universal anecdote because mm-hmm. uh, all my nephews and nieces and my wife's cousins and so on and so forth, you know, they're all six to 12 years old and all of them mm-hmm. love Mario. No, they, all lo- of them they love, love Mario. Pokemon so much. Okay, Pokemon is a different story, right? But they also love Halo. So, yeah. yeah, I think I think Pokemon is the game that can stand up there with these other franchises. That when Nintendo kicks off the marketing machine for the next month, uh, a lot of people are going to talk about that. But I think the market it's going to be a little bit younger than the than the uh, the the Minecraft Call of Duty. Um, well, actually, crowd. I think it'll be kind of similar to the Minecraft market. Yeah, you Kids, think so? actually, teens Minecraft, love Minecraft. Minecraft's really young do, now. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. It started off much older, and now mm. it's it's very young. Very much. It's so. like reverse My Little Ponies. Yeah. It's hard to. Uh, it's hard to. I wonder if people at home are like, 
these guys are supposed to love Nintendo. I don't understand. Oh. Man. No, you, you come on. You I guys do. know we, we love, Nintendo. love Nintendo. Give me a break. And, and that needs to be sort the re- of clarified. The, my re- for folks. love for Nintendo is the reason I'm sitting in this chair. It's the reason I have I this job. I think it's true of everyone yeah. here, actually. Like, I would I would not be critical of Nintendo if I didn't care about Nintendo. Yeah. yeah. And I would. I mean, I'm so happy I bought Pikmin. I thought it was a really, really cool game. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love it. And it's just the frustration is that you want to see more of that, right? You mm-hmm. love these game universes and you just want to be, you want to get more out of it. And sometimes the wait is torturous, right? Like s- new Super Mario Brothers Wii U is not the same as Mario Sunshine. And I want to be back in that universe mm-hmm. of, have this sense of exploration. And I'm Sunshine, oh, that's where you landed on that one? That's Sunshine? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why not? Um, it's, it's, the under, it's, it's the underappreciated Mario. It is. It is. It is. I like yeah. Sunshine too. I just want an HD remake of Super Mario 64. See, I don't want any more no. remakes, but I, like, I'm looking at Wind Waker. I'm going to play it, of course. I love it, but I know exactly where everything is. Do like, you? Just watching footage, really? I'm like, yeah. oh my God, I totally remember that I have to cut that freaking bamboo over there and like crawl oh. under the house to find the rupee. That wasn't, like, I that wasn't my experience. All that. I, I played it back when it first came out. I loved it. But when I did the demo this week and uh, you know you go into the Temple of Time and you have to, or the, the Frozen Time Temple or whatever it is, yeah. and you have, to, you have to move is those, the, is those the triangular pillars, time. I was like, man, I don't remember this. Huh. Really? I mean, no, I remember that, the I remember the place, but I didn't remember the puzzle. And wasn't it weird? So, like to the, the puzzles see... are all going to be fresh to me. Okay. Wasn't it, so I guess transitioning, let's let's talk a bit about Wind Waker since Jeremy and I played it this week. Uh, wasn't it weird to see the the sort of sepia tint? Inside of the mysterious castle. Well, he doesn't remember it. He doesn't remember. So it was. Uh, yeah. well, it was just black and white before, wasn't it? It was black and white. Yeah, it looked. So, it I mean, up when I got yeah, home they, they changed I the color palette a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, oh, well, it what, still looks great. What did you think of the demo? Yeah, uh, I went in being like, eh, "Wind Waker remake, who cares?" And it came out really looking forward to playing the game. <laughs> cool. Uh, that game I don't know how they did really that, good. but you know, it's funny because uh, the 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 hook that I predicated my preview of the game on is that. I end up playing through half the demo as a first-person shooter. Like, at some point I realized, wait a minute, Link can move around when he's in the first-person view now, and when you go to shoot an arrow at someone, you just, like, stay in that perspective until you fire it off, and you can stay there even after you shoot it. So, yeah, I took out a bunch of enemies just like an FPS. I was I was hitting them with arrows, and it worked really well. And the controls are great because not only does it have, you know, a two-stick camera system, but you can use the gamepad and tilt it just a little bit to do fine-tuning. So my aiming was really accurate and really precise. Yeah, actually, would uh, you say that Zelda he, ripped off Call of Duty? I would absolutely <laughs> say that. The, it was the little badges that I, I got the trophies. I just commissioned that feature yeah. pair that's going to go on IGN. No, I ended up doing the same thing in one of the hallways above mm-hmm. um, where, you know, the Moblins had their back to me and I was just uh, in first person mode shooting at all of them. Yeah, um, and in a big skirmish, down, I, like down on the floor where there's a bunch <clears> of enemies and they're fighting yeah, like you four guys at once. That. You don't want to do that. Or you want to like use the a combat third person lock on. No, no, no. The combat that. system in that game is so good. It is. It is the best Zelda combat system. Mm-hmm. You don't want us to use FPS all the time, but it does work that way. Yes. And that was really interesting. It's like, here's a new way for me to play this game that I would never have done on GameCube. Well, there was an interesting, mm-hmm. I was uh, where I was going with that was that uh, the, the rep who was there had mentioned uh, in passing that the when you're aiming at things, there is a bit of snap to aim now. And it's almost like they are kind oh, of taking really? cues from Call of Duty. Yeah, he did say that. And I was like, really? He said, yes. And I was like, wow, interesting. It's gr- it I mean, wasn't the, always like that. The great thing about this re-release, and like, I, if you have ne- never played Wind Waker, don't be an idiot, buy this game. Yeah, I mean, even do. if you don't like the art style, which, you know, at this point, get over it. It's Hell, cool. If you've it never even like played a Zelda game and this is your first one. Oh, it's so good. Oh, God, I, what, I'm so happy for you. But what it's is, such a cool place to start. What is special about this re-release is that 
um, everybody, including Nintendo, knows what the issues were with the, with the original mm-hmm. release, right? There's certain parts of the game where you get stuck because you can't find this one piece of Triforce because you shot the cannon boat and you don't know where the sparkly thing is on the water, right? Like there are these little mm-hmm. things or, mm-hmm. um, yeah, or you know, just these little Small disconnects that they can tweak, yeah. um, like the sneaking past the moblin. When does he see me? When does he do- mm-hmm. doesn't he see me? And you I, constantly I think, get thrown in jail, right? I don't think they can fix that. Part, no, you don't think so? No, they they yeah. said that they changed up the the sneaking somewhat so that it's they easier. Did, yeah. And, really? Um, yeah, which is okay. good because that part was a real pain in the butt and it yeah, was right at the beginning of the game. Yeah, too. luckily it was the first temple. Yeah, <laughs> but strange. But even um, even the combat, you get little on-screen prompts now when it's the right time to do a counter or to do an evasion. They did that before. Yeah, they did the they, they Yeah, they did the little yeah, green button. There was the music, but I don't yeah. remember the button. Yeah, they flashed um, the little green button. Yeah, so that was bad. Yeah, I love that. I'm right there with Jeremy. I remember the sound effect. Like to me, that was the cue. It was ding, 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 ding. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that I mean, so I, I played so much Wind Waker when it came out, but I haven't played it since it since that yep, summer or whatever it was. It's, so it, it's funny because I got reminded too that when you strike at enemies, you get that sound effect that happens too. It sounds like uh, your combo builds into sort mm-hmm. of a little song. That doom doom. That's doom, right. Doom. It's yeah. and it's yeah, so satisfying. That. Like the combat just feels so right in that game. Right. It is. I mean, it is honestly one of the best action adventures ever yeah. made. And so I'm happy that they bring it back. I'd rather. I, I want to see some new stuff though. You know, like mm-hmm. even Pikmin Three felt a little bit like playing Pikmin 2 again you know they sure you could use Pikmin to shatter glass but it it very much was in this kind of established gameplay uh, concept whereas like Mario Mario Sunshine even was different because yep. suddenly you could hover and you no longer fell into holes because you could save yourself until they took that backpack away, of course, yeah. right? In the bonus levels, you're those like, oh my God, part. I can't play uh, Mario Those anymore. were the worst. Yeah. Those were awesome. Those, those, those were a reminder of how good and hard classic Mario could yeah. be. It was a little too yeah. hard. In my I really fine. enjoyed those. But that's what, I'm, that's what I'm clamoring for. Like I know the Nintendo magic in creating these kind of really original, colorful worlds and these little gameplay touches, what you described, like the, the audio your cue that you're kicking ass and you're doing the right thing, right? Yeah. They're so good at, good at that, and I want to see that in a in a new game and apply it to a new yeah. shell, a new game. Yeah, yeah I mean the the amount of detail they poured into Wind Waker for little things like in combat, you know, you can knock a weapon out of an enemy's hand, and depending on the the enemy, it'll respond differently. Like moblins will be like they'll freak out because yeah. they're kind of <laughs> low level. Yeah. But the the dark nuts, you know, you can strip them of their armor, take away their weapon, and they'll whip out kung fu. Yeah. And then when they knock you down, then they make a mad dash yeah. for their weapon. Sometimes enemies will both make a mad dash for a weapon the, and yeah. they'll knock each other over and, so or like awesome. the, the dark nut will knock over a, a moblin like, well, I saw this also, happen yeah, he'll pick up fire. the weapon yeah. yeah he picked up the, a there's, weapon there's took so a much, swing at me and he like the, the, the combat of the game was just so much better than any Zelda since then it's the enemies are very very unique like if yeah. you compare it to you know just don't mean to pick on this series but like a god of war for example it almost feels like every enemy is the same mm-hmm. in a way right like you just constantly beat them and you have to figure out how to evade their projectiles in Wind Waker like all these enemies have got their little weak points and like unique ways of reacting and yeah. you can get you can steal a certain necklace from a yeah. certain type well, they're, they're and, very well animated yeah. too like the moblins yeah. of that game when you see them sort of I don't want to say sachet, but when you see them sort of like walk around, Ooh. you see these little like sort of um, I don't know bouncing pieces of them. This or, is or it's swagger. Swagger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. swagger. yeah. Yeah. The the interesting thing about Wind Waker is that if you sit down and you actually do the photo quest and you take photos of everything in the game, yep. you'll find that there's like a dozen different enemy types, and then there are maybe like a hundred NPCs, and they're all unique. Yeah. Like they mm-hmm. put so much attention mm-hmm. into the town and the characters. I did and, that too, by the yeah, way. I took and, pictures of everything in like, that game. 
I don't know. Uh, to me, that was really interesting. Instead of focusing on the combat, like they made these this small number of enemies very unique and, and gave them a lot of like sort of situational responses, so that your your battle situations always feel different. Yeah. But there's not really that many of them. And then when you get into towns, there's no there are no two NPCs that look exactly the same. There is no copy and pasting. Every character in the world is a character. And the mm-hmm. NPCs are really unique in the way that they react to you too. Like I remember, just you walk into town and the kids run around you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like they have all these little touches. Oh, yeah, the like, kid with the drool. At the very, yeah, the li- little kid uh, right. um, with the snot coming out of his mm-hmm. nose at the beginning. Yeah. Like, they, they're out. so memorable. Yeah, so um, much so much attention yeah. was poured into that game that it it's, it's going to hold up incredibly well when the HD remake comes out because games don't really do a lot of that anymore. Yeah. They're just like these empty boxes that you run through, kill some enemies, move to the next box. You yep. just described so, Assassin's Creed, and yeah, and there's a lot well, of Assassin's Creed is a place. gigantic box. Yeah, mm-hmm. with a lot of the copy-paste, same people. That's a virtual sightseeing there. sim, yeah. I think, Assassin's Creed. It's yeah. like, if you don't have the money to go to Italy, just Yeah, if you, if you took out the combat in that, yeah. that series, I'd be fine. Mm-hmm. It'd be fun just to walk around Italy, but the, sure. Beautiful the missions are terrible. But like back to Wind Waker. So you guys saw the game running. Does it run smooth? How are the visuals? I mean, it look, I saw some of the screenshots. I haven't played it myself. The, at least the, I was very impressed version. with how it felt. It felt really like it, like a very modern game. Like it can stand up to any modern mm-hmm. game. And I went home and played the original. And the original controls sort of hold up, but they do not feel as smooth to me. Like I was very, very impressed when I left there. And that it felt like a like a new game, even if yeah. it isn't. Cool. I mean, that that game was was like riding a bike for me because I haven't played Wind Waker since it came out back in the beginning of 2003. But I jumped into the demo into that you know the big temple with the big fracas, and uh, I held my own just immediately. And I like I said, I haven't played that game in ten years, but That's awesome. it all just came back to me. And you and played on heroic, didn't you? I did. I didn't quite that. make it yeah. through on heroic, okay. but uh, okay. I I did pretty well. Like the oh, hero mode, and everything. Excuse me. Yeah. I said heroic. So what hero. does hero mode do? Yeah. It doubles enemy damage, and you don't get refills on health yeah. unless you use a potion. That's right. Okay. Just like the Skyward Sword Hero Mode, but it's unlocked from the beginning of the game, mm-hmm. which is very, very cool. cool. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I mean, for repeat players, And right? you can switch it off whenever you want. Yeah, whenever yep. you want, as long as you're at the fossil. Things get really bad. The only yep. thing I'm still sort of lukewarm on is the way the characters look under the new lighting. I feel the worlds look fantastic and amazing, but I feel like the characters lose some of that cartoon sort of vibe and edge. Like, when playing the original Wind Waker felt like playing a, a cartoon well, uh, you know on par with something you'd see on Cartoon Network at mm-hmm. the time well they pulled a Jessica Rabbit right they added shading on top right. of it yeah. it's no longer just a and flat it's more shade. Like shading yeah. versus yeah something that you see sort of the round curves versus this really flat hard you know sort of I guess hard shading. But it may be closer to what they wanted to do, right? I mean, just remember there there were some choices made about how to make Wind Waker look that were also based on the hardware it was running on, right? If you look at the original, uh, the the art of that game, though, like the 2D art just of the character profiles and whatnot, they have these very dark, hard edges that the the initial game didn't have. Mm -hmm. I'm just surprised it didn't go more in that direction, but maybe Mm -hmm. that was a limitation of what they were willing to do with the budget they had. Yeah, I was I was a little disappointed about the addition of shading at first because I did like that sort of flat Rankin Bass cartoon style. <laughs> yes, but after playing it, I'm fine with it. I think it looks great, and mm-hmm. you know, I would I just kept noticing all these little details, like you throw a bomb and it explodes, and there's that curl of smoke, yep. oh. and the smoke goes from like an orange color to, to violet this, to yeah, gray. That's right. And it has and little it, skulls like, in it sometimes yeah, too, and little so, sparkles. Like, so there's just so much detail. It reminds in that me game, of So much artistry that I yeah. yeah like it, it's beautiful. I love yeah. it. I, I did. Get, I did come around by the end of the demo. I was like, okay, I can. I can deal with this. But it was something that took a little getting used to. And it's just funny because Jeremy and I 
saw each other before um, my demo, and he had just finished his. And uh, he he didn't mention to me the first person thing, but he sort of just vaguely said, "I wonder if you'll do what I did." And then it turns out, I kept thinking about that during my demo, but I did just instinctually. And mm-hmm. then I went back to him, was like, "Yeah, I played it yeah. in first person mode. I ran down a hallway. I shot at these moblins, I- and it and." Uh, the entire experience i I did not want to stop playing that's one of those weird times where that's happened i think that game really succeeds on the basis of atmosphere right right you get the sense of the the wide ocean like you can do Mm -hmm. anything like you're empowering it's an open world game like every next gen game yeah you can explore and and the call of duty elements come on buy it kids the sailing (laughs) the sailing feels really good too just like the mechanical elements of the game are really good but then you get into some of the dungeons and the atmosphere is just awesome like the temple which you know, I love that the stark black and white contrast. So I'm a little lukewarm on hearing about the sepia tone mm, thing, yeah. but you know, I'm I'm sure it'll look nice. But like the fire temple, that whole uh, what was it, the the volcano? Oh yes, yeah. yes. I forgot the islands. That I'm sorry, boss guys. You're it's talking been about a while. That looks like a big centipede that comes yeah, out but of like the lava. you walk in and the Roost the, island, the air is the like yeah, yeah, that's, um, that's right. Yeah, yeah, the air is wavering and it has all these little par- particles oh, so flying around, looking, yeah. and it's just like the the volcano, the um, lava looked like really bright and awesome I can't can't wait to see that I'm I w- so I will excited say, to play this I will and say people said this game looks <laughs> stupid seriously I love Wind Waker yeah, I will I say this play too to play this game I've, uh, I've seen Wind Waker running in, in the Dolphin emulation environment which you know mm-hmm. some people know what that is and this the Wii U version looks superior it does like it, it is when you go out and you see the great sea and you see that horizon line you see the little waves and you see the the, the trail of wind like it is just gorgeous it's bloom Sold. lighting makes all the difference a lot of bloom when, whole lot of bloom when is it out uh oh, that's a great question, Pear. Only only Nintendo knows. No one. No one <laughs> they haven't announced. <laughs> okay. You thought you thought I do. I didn't. Soon. Uh, uh, Next month and a half ish. Who knows? Maybe a bundle. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. It's all very very. We don't know in the. Quiet. There are secrets in the air. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Well, thank you very so, much. So Wii U has one good game. Future yeah. saved. Well. <laughs> Uh, I look forward Dude, to you played Mario Kart at E3 right I didn't that was great yeah, I heard it was like 50 really cc's good. really I heard it was it, felt, it wasn't as fast like it wasn't a super fast demo so what? I'm, I'm super wary of Mario Kart after Mario Kart Wii that game was so bad I didn't like it either but oh, I, I liked I loved Wii U I thought it felt really really me good me too All right. I, had, I was surprised by you mean Mario Kart 8 yeah yeah. Um, <laughs> I really like that and uh, I mean Smash Brothers I know is going to be Smash Brothers I yeah. remember uh, and that Jer- is good. Mm-hmm. Jeremy uh, sure. debating about Mario Kart Wii with some former one of employees, and there was a very famous eye roll every time a, really? a very glowing point was made. That got turned into a GIF. When, oh, uh, no, when, that, was, that, was Shane... a, that was something else. Oh, was it? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Mario Kart. I think Kart it was a Wii. Final Fantasy VII discussion. You may be misunderstanding him. He's saying Mario Kart. He yeah. accidentally he said Mario, Mario Kart. Kart. Oh, did he? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Josie did, yeah. I got confused. I thought you were talking about. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, thank you, uh, all of you, for coming. Thank Very you. quickly, can you share your Twitter handle and maybe something you're working on? Uh, I'm at Agent Bizzle, and I'm working on a metric fuckton of features. Okay. Uh, we're actually doing an entire week of Zelda stuff soon on IGN, as well as up at noon on Monday, which is really fun. So come back for that. Excellent. I'm Pear IGN on Twitter um, and Pear-IGN on IGN as well. You can follow me there. You can ask me questions there, too. 
Um, what am I working on? I'm working on uh, on overall site redesign and some fun. We've got a new iOS app coming, uh, IGN iOS app that's going to be really really cool. And then if you guys, you, and it's meaningless to Nintendo fans, but if you guys watch the Sony press conference at Gamescom, we're working on a PlayStation 4 app, so you can watch your videos on the PlayStation 4. Yes, we pitched Nintendo on. Are you the second app. screen now? Para? We are the second <laughs> screen. No, we're the first screen. Oh, you got to okay, turn off fine. your game to watch us. No, but we pitched Nintendo on the same of course a long time ago we wanted to be there at launch but uh, it's not um, it's not a priority for them and I believe you can you can watch videos like this one on the PS4 app right you can watch videos like this one on the PS4 PS4, so do that but guys if you want to watch our videos on the Wii U they have a competent competent web browser that will play our videos just fine so we get complaints when we don't have a video version people are like where's the video I want to watch it on my Wii U uh, yeah. Wii U has a smart browsing interface. It's actually well done on the on the screen. You can you can truly do second screen and look at all wikis while you're playing. It's not game. like that video though. Remember <laughs> the one at E3 where he did like this, this, and then he's just like scrolling. There was like some weird like sort of it's stuff called going chicanery. On there. You, yeah. you mean when they Pretty flick much. something from the pad That's onto right. the screen? Yeah, yeah that, that only works. It don't work like yeah, that, but that it works work, well. Yeah. You yeah, guys yeah. got fooled. Mm-hmm. All right, and who Jeremy? are you? I'm GameSpite on Twitter, and I write for usgamer.net, and I do cool things. When is this uh, podcast going up, by the way? It'll be up tomorrow. Okay, then I don't want to say what I'm working on, because you guys might steal it before I post We were not that fast. We don't have the time. Uh, I'm working on a feature right now, uh, talking to a lot of indie developers about why they're eating Nintendo's lunch when it comes to making Metroid clones. Hey, Ryan, can you work on a a feature about indie developers? (laughs) (laughs) And also, if you have not heard it, uh, please check out Retronauts, uh, the revival. It is fantastic. Uh, Although, I will say this, after I hear your intro music, I want to like run outside like screaming, because it's so fast-paced and so up-tempo. Everyone on the that's, show that's, is that's so, Anna Monaguchi for you. Yeah, man. and everyone on the show is so down to earth and, and serious, and you know, possibly cynical, but also very very cool. All right, we'll coke up next time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I am at Jose underscore Otero on Twitter, and I wrote a preview about the Wind Waker this week, which you can find on IGN. And I'm also reviewing Rayman Legends, which you will see on IGN on Monday. All right, well, thank you very much. Gentlemen. Thank you. All right, bye. See ya.
Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.